Last night and the parlor And I ain't other boys in the band And I stood there in the corner And I ain't for the feeling to dance Episode 3 of Pods Away. I'm Jeff. I'm Zach. And we are here to dish on weeks 1 through 3 of the fantasy football season. It has been an interesting three weeks, hasn't it, Zach? To say the least. What do you think has blown your mind the most about the first three weeks? Oh, man. Uh, there's It's a lot of up and down, really. There's a couple teams, um, specifically yours. I thought your team looked better than an 0-3 team off to a rough so, start. So did I. <laughs> off to a rough start. Um, Let's just take a moment, and um, I'll direct all of our listeners to their Yahoo Sports page at this moment, and uh, we'll take a look at who Jeff's starting at quarterback. Is that Jared Goff? Is he starting Jared Goff at quarterback? So you know things have taken a turn for the worse. Yeah. When Jared Goff. It's starting in your fantasy football. League. Like that's real life. Like if you're starting Jared Goff, your team's not going to be good in real life. But when you're starting him in fantasy football, that's even worse. <laughs> that's like okay. So I just clicked on. <laughs> I just clicked on. Um, I just wanted to see what it was going to say. I clicked on Andrew Lux. <clears throat> he's got an orange tab, which means he's got an update. Right. This is what it says for Wednesday, September twenty seventh. Orthopedic surgeon Dr. David Chow doesn't expect Andrew Luck, parentheses shoulder, back until November. <laughs> Woof. Dude, this season is already. When did you get him? The sixth round? Yeah, this is the worst pick I've ever made. Well, this at season. the time, it seemed like a great value. Well, at the time, I failed to check my. Uh, hey, I mean, he's in no hurry. He's just cashing fat checks and. Eating sunflower seeds. Dude, he sidelines. is in no hurry. Yes, you're and exactly suck right about that. Whether he's playing or not, so he probably didn't give a rep. Yeah, he's rear. just chilling. He's watching. He's watching uh, Jacoby Brissett throw the ball to. Like, yeah, and their know, offensive whoever. line's terrible too. So he's in no rush to get pounded on a weekly basis. <sighs> so yeah, I mean things are really bad. And, I mean he's got he's got freaking <laughs> Frank Gore in the backfield. That dude's about fifty-seven years old. <laughs> I mean, not let, the best team to play for. Let's just put it this way: I am a, you know, I have a lot of pride in my fantasy football team, and um, not this year. This is a really bad year. So, what else has blown your mind besides uh, my complete and total sprint to the bottom? Um, the first thing that blew my mind, of course, it, it it's natural that the first thing that blew my mind was um, a game that I was involved in was Murph, who I think, if I recall. I voted him as the worst team in the league. You had him at number 12. I had him yeah. at number 11. So I played him week one, and he beat me. He just he smashed He put up 140 even, points. Yeah, right. That's half of the points he's put up this season. Very in impressive. In that first game. Yeah, very impressive. was outrageous. And so that was the first thing that blew my mind. Um, what kind of performance? Okay, who, who contributed to that nonsense? Um, let's see here. Ah, the Philadelphia defense with the big yeah, twenty-two they had a couple, piece. I think they had a touchdown. Which uh, was yes, dumb. they recovered three fumbles. I Who think the frick were they playing. That? I oh, think Washington. I might push next year, and I I don't think it's going to happen just because for hashtag reasons. But <laughs> I don't. Yep. I hate the defense thing. I wish we could just because. What do you hate about it? I, do I, I don't know. I just think there's no like. 
in my mind, there's no, for the most part, unless you're unless you've got Denver or maybe Kansas City, there's no rhyme or reason that you really pick any defense over the other. Sure. So why don't we just get rid of it and we could like add another add another oh, spot, like add an, a third running back or a, a third receiver or, or a second quarterback or something like that. So what I, I hear you know. saying is it just kind of injects – there are two quarterback leagues. I've always thought it was a little bit weird, but what you're telling me is though that it injects some level of like uncertainty. You yeah, know, like, I don't know. I just think it's dumb. It just leads to people getting pissed off because you're, the opponent's defense scored a touchdown because – you know, you're running back, fumbled the ball, and then they kicked it around the 50-yard line for two minutes, and somebody picked it up and ran it back. Yeah. That's annoying. It's, it's one thing, like, if your defense is good and it doesn't allow points. Sure. But if, when you get a crappy fumble recovery for a touchdown, right. that sucks. Yeah. It sucks. And you could, I mean, theoretically, you could draft on special teams, but, I mean, honestly, that's just as random. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's. Now some teams have special teams that are are really bad, but it's it's very rare that you say, "Well, I'm I'm yeah, I really want the Kansas City defense or special right. teams because they have guys that can take it to the house." Because right. like honestly, yeah, that might be true, but like, dude, the last guy I remember who could be reliably counted on to like take it to the house was uh, Dexter McCluster. You remember that guy? Oh, I feel like yeah. that dude went to the house, and I don't pretty sure he's not still in the league. I mean, he. I, I guess know. I don't really know for sure. But like outside of outside of that, my own matchup, the only things that have really jumped out to me is that Keller's three and zero. Yep. Congrats to Rick. Yep. I think his team is actually pretty underwhelming, uh, and I shouldn't. I don't know. Saying that about a three and zero team is kind of blasphemy. But like, I don't actually don't think his team is that good. Uh, but I, I don't know. Apparently, it's not bad. Well, right, he's, he's won some. He's won some games, but outside of Julio, and, and don't get me wrong, Fournette has looked really, really good. Yeah, he has. I but Shepard had a great game last week, but Devonta Adams hasn't done much. Delaney Walker hasn't been great. Ingram hasn't been great. So there are a lot of teams. There are a lot of players on this team that are just okay. And um, I mean, his his scoring is you know right, kind of right there in the middle of the pack. Yeah, it's he's, true. He's like fourth or fifth in scoring, but he's. He's three and zero, so that's kind of the place to be. I it's mean, a good matchup, though, man. You got to have the good matchups, right? You do. Uh, so, I mean, I think what we should really be discussing is um, a much maligned figure on this podcast, which is our man Asher Co. Asher has been. I mean, he's been getting it done. I mean, there's really no other Bronx way to put it. Smash. I mean, the dude. The dude has been getting it done. So he actually had a pretty respectable week this last week. He put up 170 points. It's fine. I mean, no big deal. 170 points. I mean, he just, I mean, okay, so he had a really bad week the week before that. But prior to that, I mean, the guy, you know, he just. So I think Tyreek so far, the freak, has been one of the picks Man, of the draft he's been so, so far. Good. Adam Thielen has been Thielen's so been good. Thielen's been awesome. Uh, Gronk had a bum week, but Gronk has been good. Uh, Rodgers. He, I'm he put up 170 with Ajayi scoring four points. It always seems so weird. Just think like about that. that. I know. That's so weird. Man, big time. But anyways, you know, Asher, I mean, okay, A, you're probably never going to listen to this, but either way, <laughs> we got to give you credit. You have really come Apologies. to play this year. It's only through week three, so there's still time for you to finish like two and 12 which is definitely possible, but so far, 
Pretty good, man. Pretty pretty dang good. Jeff, you had a pretty solid start there with Kendall Wright. <laughs> I was wondering if anybody was going to ask about that no when uh, we were kind of harassing BBG about the Jordan he, he Reed situation. No targets. No yeah, targets. no, they didn't even they didn't even try and throw it. And down. on a team that That's is just has no pass catchers for that guy to get no they targets. Even, they didn't even try and throw it. So down. bad. I was, uh, yeah. Everything about Kendall Wright was really bad in that last week. And the funny thing was, was that so I was at my cousin's wedding in San Diego this past weekend. And uh, we were flying back on Southwest Airlines, which, by the way, if you don't fly Southwest, I would highly recommend it. They do this. Most of their planes have Wi-Fi. They do this free TV. It's just fantastic. Anyways, we were flying back, and so I turned on NBC to watch the Sunday night football game. Now, I, I have to be honest. I don't like flying that much. It's just not, it's not my thing. Uh, I get a little claustrophobic and you know, kind of weirded out. I look down, and I'm like, wow, I'm up here in this metal tube. 40,000 feet this is kind of weird but despite all of that I tolerate it I have to say the flight home on Sunday night I did not tolerate because I was watching Chris Thompson go ham I mean just lose his mind and like I looked at my team and I was like yeah you know I'm actually playing pretty well like Jared Goff was good uh Freeman and Murray were finally you know Murray specifically were finally good I was like I could be within striking distance and Fitzgerald had a great game and I was watching Chris Thompson just lose his mind on me. And so that made that flight very uncomfortable. He had 150 receiving yards on six catches as a running back. You don't, you don't have to. That is impressive. Know. Yeah, yeah, so, You don't have to repeat that. And outside of that, the, the, only, the only surprise so far has been Kareem Hunt has just looked so good. I mean, he is a boss. That dude, dude can run. How does Brent do it, man? How does he put his? So we're gonna we need to give Brent, Brent some credit so our only dedicated listener stays tuned in. <laughs> uh, He's looked really good, man. I know. Uh, I'm gonna add Brent to that list of teams I mentioned before the season started that I had Matt on this list of teams. It was always really fun to like look over and be like, yes, they're losing, great. And uh, I'm definitely gonna have to add Brent to that list mm-hmm. because, like, the dude. I mean, wow. You talk about. Now, Yahoo's projections are always kind of screwy, but, I mean, man, the, the guy is projected to get 50, 155 points this week. That's amazing. Kareem Hunt is projected for 20. God, what a pick, man. Whoa. Who could have seen that coming, honestly? I, I didn't see it coming. but Well, and it was, it was amid the Spencer Ware injury report, so we had no idea how bad his injury was. Right. Um, and, and if I recall, he kind of was breaking right. In the middle of the draft, and mm-hmm. so it was kind of out of nowhere. Brent comes in with Kareem Hunt, and I kind of looked at it, or not, and look at him. He wasn't there, but I was seeing like that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I definitely saw once Kareem Hunt went down. I definitely saw people that were, or excuse me, once Spencer Ware went down. I definitely saw people that were, you know, oh, Kareem Hunt's the guy to draft, and he's, you know, but it's just, I don't know. He's a rookie. He's from where did he go? Toledo. Toledo. I mean, so. Which is not to discount, obviously, working running backs. I would say I haven't paid much attention, but Dalvin Cook seems like he's been pretty good for you. What would you say? Uh, yeah, Dalvin has looked really good. He's looked really good at getting a lot of usage, so. and um, he's been pretty efficient. So I feel good about Dalvin. I mean, all in all, an interesting start to the season. I think the teams that everybody thought were going to be good are pretty good. There have been some surprises uh, in both directions, and that's the best thing about fantasy football. Now I will say the uh, 
The BBG implosion over the last couple weeks has been pretty interesting. What do you think? It has. It has. Oh, well, you you go first. I've got a few (laughs) choice words. (laughs) You got some thoughts? Are you telling me you got some thoughts? Well, so here's the deal. I mean, I think BBG is a good team. I mean, I think I predicted them maybe top four draft, and I still stand by that. I mean, I think that aside from starting Gillisley, otherwise, and and the Jordan Reed pick was one that we knew was going to be a pretty high risk, high reward type deal. Obviously, it was obviously it was a high risk pick last week, and he didn't end up playing. But I mean, they have a good team. I don't think that um, I don't think that it's absurd that they would have weeks where nothing's happened. And frankly, Amari Cooper has not been good so far this right. season. Not at all. Uh, but and you know Zeke has been. I think Zeke's been a little bit up and down. He definitely had a down week two. I think he was okay in week three. But the fact of the matter is fantasy football is weird, and you can have guys, for example, Le'Veon Bell has not been very good yeah, this year. Yeah. And so that, that weirdness happens. I think that's why they say, and it's true, you know, your league is not one at the draft. It's about who you start. And, you know, BBG made a great start in week one. They started Austin Hooper, and the dude went yeah. absolutely bananas. Well, he's, he, had, he had one catch, but it was a long one. Right. He had that massive, massive catch. And, uh, you know, I think they have a good team, but I think they're suffering right now from just the fluky start. Um, they, just, they have a lot of big play people on their team. They do. So they it's have kind boom, of either feast or famine. Major boomer bust. It's been mostly famine so far. So, uh, anyways, I mean, I think BBG's been doing a perfectly fine job in terms of managing their team. The only thing that I would say is, um, with regards to this past week, you have to look at your roster and identify if you see a Q or like a doubtful or something by your guy's name. So, and then you see he's playing on Sunday night or Monday night, you have got to have some sort of contingency plan in place. Right. And that's just, um, you know, that's part of being a good, responsible owner is saying, like, look, okay, Jordan Reed says he's questionable and he's playing on Sunday night, which means there are four teams from which you can pick a tight end yeah. if he doesn't play. One of those is his own team. And you frankly have to be ready for that. And so that means like looking at your roster, that means looking at, you know, you got a guy on IR, you got a guy who like John Ross is just, is he, is he hurt or is he just not contributing? I mean, uh, what's, I don't, I think he's, he was hurt for a little while now that he's just not, just a non-contributor. Anything. And so you have to look at your roster and say, you know, yeah, you like the guys you drafted, but you need a contingency plan in place. And, you know, they didn't have one with Reed. It didn't, matter reed wasn't going to score you know 50 points and make them in contention but the fact of the matter is like brent pointed out i think maybe we were discussing that with brent is you know regardless of the overall effect on your game that week you know the 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 important thing is that part of our tiebreaker is determined on points scored and that's not hard to figure out you just got to go on yahoo and click on settings um but i don't think it's going to matter at the end of the year but like let's say that somehow they're in a tie and they miss the playoffs by five points, then yeah. it's going to matter that they didn't start Jordan Reed sure. and, or that they started Jordan Reed. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it just takes a little bit more attentiveness and, uh, but I think they'll be all right. Unless. Yeah. I mean, the reason this was brought up is that historically we have find individuals who have not, who, who've started a player that didn't play in the game. Right. Right. So right. historically, they would have been fine for that move. Uh, 
there was quite an exchange that happened after I brought that up. <laughs> and it, I made the statement along the lines of, hey, it, it appears that someone may not be paying enough attention to this roster, given the fact that there was a player started that didn't play in the game. Right. That they had, that they were still housing Danny Woodhead, who has been on IR for a couple of weeks, and John Ross was still on the roster, who has been non-existent. Right. So it appeared that they hadn't been making moves, and that or they weren't paying attention. Right. And boy, did that open a can of worms. Whew. Well, and, and Matt pointed out. Problem with going at BBG is there's that they five, have five people that can respond to you. Now Lance isn't going to say anything, yeah. obviously, yeah. but so anyway, I go on <laughs> to state my case and just get. Oh man, I mean, it, the response was was overwhelming. Oh, uh, really was. But the response that I got was not about the point that I brought up. It was strictly the yeah, 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 but I'm better than you. When I had just thumped them the week before. Now I I will say that we will have a BBG member on our next podcast. We would have done it this week, but this was kind of Hastily thrown together planned, last right. minute, so we didn't have anyone come on. Right. So next next podcast there will be somebody on here to defend them. Right. Um. But man, I just I had just brought up that point, and it was met with uh, with fire. And, but to this day, I have not gotten a response to them, to to my statement. I don't think they were paying enough attention. It was just met with, yeah, whatever. We're better than you. Well, it was which, met with, we that, love our engine. We love our injured guys, which is like, yeah, get out fine. of here. That's stupid. <laughs> Anyhow, that being said, BBG, at this point you're one and two. Mm-hmm. You've got the second least points in the league. So Whoa. all of your statements about. We'll take our team against you guys, 9 out of 10, all this and all of that. I don't by any means think my team is the best team in the league. I lost David <laughs> wow, Johnson the first I week. I lost Don Robson the first week. I'm just scrambling to keep a, a team on the field that is acceptable. I've been lucky enough to win two out of my f- first three games. I've got the second most high points, and they've got the second to lowest. So – you guys might want to slow your roll Ooh, a little man. bit here, but I'm excited to I'm excited to play them again because they were very adamant that they thought their team was better. So we'll see what happens here in a couple weeks when we play again. Yeah. So that's what. Hey, man, that's why they play the games. You know, that's, that's, why, what, they that's, they that's the why they play the games. It only takes one. It does. And so uh, that's kind of an intro. The last couple of weeks we haven't been able to record because uh, we both have full time jobs and when we're busy, and that's just how it goes. But uh, this is kind of a recap of the first three weeks. Uh, and like we said, we're going to start incorporating guests to the extent that they want to appear on the show. Uh, maybe get in an argument with Zach. I can sit here and watch. It'd be extremely enjoyable for me. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back and do a run through the standings so far, kind of give an evaluation of uh, where teams are at, waivers, how many moves they've made, that sort of thing. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be back after the break. Thank you for listening. tell you guys about this band 
that started off the podcast. The band's called Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats, and they are awesome. They are obviously not paying us to record this podcast, but out of the goodness of my heart, because I want to spread their name far and wide to all 10 listeners that we have, I would highly recommend you give them a listen. They're called Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats, and they are awesome. That's it from me. Back to the show. We're gonna do a little. Uh, we're gonna play a little catch up here. Gonna go through the the league standings and visit about uh, kind of one through twelve. Actually, I'm gonna break down the the top six because knock on wood, that's where I reside at the moment. And Jeffrey is going to uh, <laughs> bring up the rear <laughs> seven through twelve. Uh, so leading the pack here is Alshon Joffrey. Uh, Hark Rider is just cruising, man. He has he shown uh, just an ability year in and year out to just crank out really, really nice teams. And, um, of course, spearheaded by Kareem Hunt. And y'all, and y'all see you throw on top of Kareem Hunt. Force number receivers of Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Golden Tate, Alshon Jeffrey, and then um, Zach Ertz is having – uh, a really, really nice year as well. Totally. So that second running back spot is is uh, being filled by uh, Carlos Hyde, who actually has had a nice year so a far as well. a good year, dude. I um, know. I mean, he's going to get hurt at some point like he always does. But Please. that's just, what? man, that's a rock star roster. It's really, really good. Keller is at number two. Now Keller's points for the points he's scored – it's kind of in the middle of the pack. It's towards the top of the middle of the pack. Right. Keller's had some really good matchups so far. Uh, he played you the first week. <laughs> then he yeah, played true. Stamper the second week. He played Keithley last week, but Keithley had had a rough go of it. So, but Keithley or Keller did have a couple of nice uh, nice scores this week. Again, I think Keller's team is kind of so-so. Julio Jones is is great. Uh, Tom Brady is just. The main. So anytime you've got any one of his receivers, um, especially Brandon Cook, who scored 35 points this last week, right? Um, that's very helpful. No doubt. I will say the rest of his team makes me nervous, so I don't think he's going to keep that pace. Okay. Um, I'm sitting at at two and one. I've scored the second most points so far. I got just railed my first week against Murph. I've had reasonable games the past two weeks. Um, I've actually been fairly had better than reasonable games. I mean, you've been printing up. Yeah, decent. decent the, two weeks ago, I scored about 155, which is which is a pretty dadgum good game. Uh, yeah. uh, last week, I just won by four points over Grant, thanks to a really nice game game by. Oh Dad. yeah, by the way, so in that game, okay, so you were watching that. I assume up I to was, the very yeah, end. Yeah, I was. Whew. I just knew that Dak was going to throw a touchdown to Cole Beasley. Or that for some reason Dan Baylor was going to kick a fifty-yard field goal, <laughs> and I uh, was going to be hosed. But that's what I thought was going to happen. Uh, Doug Baldwin had a twenty-five point game, which was great. Uh, however, he did pull his groin, which I'm worried about, and I had to play without Randall Cobb this week too. Um, but my team has actually been fairly fairly steady, uh, which is very <clears throat> unlike teams of mine uh, in the past. How's Witten been for you so far? I haven't really. He's paid been great the first two weeks. Last this last game, he put up one point. Not good. Uh, which is no bueno. Right. But the two weeks prior, he put up nineteen and twenty six. Okay. So, he's been Dak's kind of go to. But for whatever reason, against the Cardinals, 
Dak threw a lot of downfield passes. Yeah, right. And did not throw a lot of mid-range stuff. So that does not lend well to uh, Witten's production. Witten, right. Keithley's sitting there at number four at two and one. Um, Keithley's team's pretty decent. I still like his team. Um, Keithley made a trade with myself, which we'll discuss in a little while. But Emmanuel Sanders is just cooking right now with – well, I say cooking. He didn't have to do well the first game, but the second game he had two touchdowns, 24, and he had 15 last game. Right. In a game that Simeon didn't give anyone any points except for really Emmanuel. Right. Um, so he's looking okay. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been um, like unreal, but he's been steady, sitting right around 15 a game, which is which – is, Far more steady than he looked last year. And mm-hmm. speaking of DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson is a baller. That, that dude is can play. so good. Yeah, he's good. Also, would it have, do you think it would have had any impact on Griffin's season if he had had DeAndre Hopkins or not? I don't think so. I think Griffin's been – I think well, the rest we'll of his team second, is, is not very good, so I don't think it really would have mattered that much, to be right. honest with you. <laughs> Um, so rounding it out, Asher. Hey, before um, you get to Asher, yeah. I do need to just throw it out there. I was wrong on Keith Lee's team. Keith Lee's team has been really good. I had him rated as my least favorite draft, uh, but Gurley has been an animal. Yeah. And uh, Melvin Gordon's been solid, too. Uh, those were the two reasons I was so down. I was wrong. Gordon got banged up his last game, so I'm anxious to see what happens there. But we but talked man, about McVay mentioned that they were going to get the ball to Gurley any way and every way possible. And, they and have, that man. either he was going to bounce back from last year or he was going to fall off a cliff and we were going to understand that he may not be that good. Well, right. he's pretty dang good. And He um, is, and I was wrong. Just, man, he's killing it right now. Asher's <laughs> at number five, which Asher has never been at number five. Asher's playing pretty well. He's getting great production out of Aaron Rodgers, of course. Marshawn, not Marshawn, Brandon Marshall played well last week. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill's been great. Um, Ajayi has, was great in week two, not great this week. Chris Thompson's been cash in PPR. Gronk is Gronk. Uh, Thielen has been just fantastic just as well. beast, man. And Seriously. then Ted Ginn had a great week this week. So, um, man, golly. Asher just playing really well, so so props to Asher. That's like when uh, you know Vanderbilt has a really good start to the season. Everybody's like, "Wow, Vanderbilt like number two in the SEC yeah. West, unbelievable!" Right? Yeah. So not we'll last, but it's we'll good. see, it's man. Good for now. But hey, and mad then, uh, mad props to Asher. Number it's been six awesome. is is TPC Matt at number six. Um, what I find interesting, um, I, I think Matt's team will come around. Right. Uh, I think his team is better than some of the teams that are ranked ahead of him. Uh, so I think I'm not worried about Matt. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that in the Tulsa division, uh, one and three reside in Tulsa. And then in OK, OKC, it's two, four, five, six, and then 11 and 12. Interesting. So OKC has several teams that are pretty good and then two really bad teams. Just, just bad teams. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, because you guys have two teams that are 0-3 well, I know. in OKC. Right. Um, so a really interesting dynamic between the Tulsa and Oklahoma City divisions. I would note uh, that the OKC, the 0-3 teams in Oklahoma City seem to have been mm-hmm. – now, they've been playing OKC teams, so I think it's maybe a product that the 0-3 teams – uh, collectively hold 
far as I can tell anyways, the most points against. Uh, but in Tulsa, they would be the uh, fourth and fifth scoring teams. I mean, so Stamper at one at three thirty at three hundred and thirty points uh, has scored better and is very close to the third team in Tulsa. Yeah. Uh, he scored Grant more points than Griffin, than BBG, and Murph. Man, that is pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, so anyways, interesting to note, but that's that's the product of that. That's what happens in fantasy football. Yeah. Is that if you're right on the borderline, things go each way. Yep. You know. So. Yep. All right, so jumping into the uh, bottom half, we have uh, Deflate D's Nuts, Grant Hume at 1-2. and two. Uh, A lot of these teams are 1-2, and two, obviously. Uh, Grant is currently, actually all the Tulsa teams, well, never mind. I'm not even going to say it. That was about to be really dumb. But I was going to say Grant has uh, less points than that he scored than points against, but that's what you would expect <laughs> with a team with a losing record. Um, you know, it's been an interesting ride here so far for Grant. Uh, I would say that... You know, I'm going to click through some of his previous matchups, but uh, you know he's had. So did he? He's lost Greg who Olson. Who was he beat? Yeah, he so he lost foot. Greg Olson. Uh, had a nail biter. You know he was four points away from being two and one. Um, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that his week two game. He barely he beat Griffin by less than a yeah. point. Yeah. So Grant probably is the closest game we've ever seen in our league. Actually, really might be. So Grant is. Grant is, you know, six points away from either being two and one or zero oh and three, so it kind of goes both both yeah. ways. Uh, yeah. Definitely lost Greg Olson, which is a major major killer. Um, but I mean, along those lines, Christian right. McCaffrey has seen a huge bump. Totally because of that. Yeah, he had yeah, yeah right. This week. So uh, yeah, so Grant is sitting at number seven at one and two. Uh, like Zach just mentioned, teams seven through ten are all in the Tulsa division at number. So that means these teams all have one and two records, and what they're currently separated by is the number of points they've scored. So at number eight is Griffin uh, at one and two. Griffin has scored dub sizzle, the double sizzle, oh, the dubizzle, dubizzle sizzle, the dubizzle sizzle. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means either. But now that I read that, I realize that's the first time I've read that accurately. I've been saying double sizzle. Pretty much, I don't know what that means, but that's what I've been saying. Grant, uh, excuse me, Griffin is at one and two with 322 points. Uh, Just taking kind of a glance back through his previous matchups, he has notched a W, I think. Yeah, he took out Murph when Murph kind of came back to earth in week three. Um, He had a great week. That was the week that this past week where Stephon Diggs went absolutely ham. Uh, he may have lost Kelvin Benjamin for a little while. Uh, hard to tell, but um, he's, you know, and then he had the obviously he's one point away from being two and one. So Griffin's team is marginal. I think they're okay. It's kind of reflected in their record. Uh, at but, number- man, if, if he gets Diggs, T.Y., and Le'Veon to go ham all in the same week, he's going to win. Oh, yeah, he will for sure. So, win. I mean, those are two, those, or those are three heavy, heavy hitters. And so if he can get those guys going – he can beat anybody. Right. You're exactly right. Um, at number eight, is, excuse me, number nine is Body by Glass. At one and two, uh, they have 317 points for uh, to their name. I mean, so I think the story of Body by Glass is that Zeke has been okay. Uh, his start has been, you know, he had a really bad week two. Week one and week three, he was, he was productive. Uh, he has scored one touchdown, which is not great, but... Um, you know, we're, we're through three weeks. 
Where I think they've had some real issues is uh, Jordan Reed has obviously been marginal. He hasn't had great games, and he didn't play last week. One of the big concerns with him going into the season was that the dude's been hurt, and he doesn't have a concussion this time, but he has injuries to seemingly every other really important part of the body. Right. Um, Odell. He just, he just can't stay on the field. Can't he can't. do it. No, he can't. Uh, Odell obviously missed week one. Odell was marginal in week two. He was obviously wonderful in week three. Uh, and, you know, so the problem is that they're starting two New England running backs, and that yeah, is going to be kind of a, a toss-up. Um, I mean, I definitely would say that they need to work on finding another receiver as opposed to starting uh, James White or Mike Gillisley. Right. They could, I would say, pick one, but they need another receiver. And then, frankly, I mean, a big issue of theirs is that Amari Cooper has been uh, extremely marginal. I mean, yeah. he's – so this is what Cooper's done. Cooper's done 16 in week one. He had five receptions, 62 yards. Week two, he had four receptions, 33 yards, no touchdowns. Week three, and this was kind of along the lines of the Raiders in general, he had one reception for six yards. And he's only gotten 10 targets in the last two weeks, which is pretty interesting to me. Um, And so I, I think that he's definitely got some work to do. He's been a major part of the reason that they've struggled, but there are multiple reasons uh, going on with BBG. <clears throat> so moving on, we uh, move down to team number 10. Uh, number 10 is Murph at All About De Benjamins. They're also 1-2, 5 points behind Body by Glass. They obviously had a breakout win in week 1 where they just blew uh, they blew Radar for Gore out of the water. Yep. Since then, they've had some significant struggles. Come back uh, down to earth. They have come down to earth. Zach and I both had... Uh, His team really is both not very good. All about the Benjamins at yeah, pretty true. low rated, and yeah. thus far, I mean, dude, look, okay, look at this: <laughs> Willie Sneed, Robert Woods, Richard Matthews. That's their starting wide receivers. That's just no not going to get it done. Yeah, that's and, tough. And so, I would say I anticipate going forward that All About the Benjamins is going to continue to struggle. Uh, they frankly are just not a very good team. And so moving on to 11 and 12. Now, I realize, and please understand, that this is all said with uh, absolute, you know, I'm very self-aware. My team is not very good. That's not going to stop me from being critical about other teams or, you know, giving praise where other teams matter. My team is absolute garbage. My internet has slowed down considerably in the last two seconds. Um, And so I can't give you an evaluation of my team at this exact moment. But suffice to say, my team is at number 11. Uh, and we're going to edit this part out. So, full disclosure, I have no idea what happened at this part of the podcast. Uh, our audio just stopped working. So, I didn't know that happened until I started, until I started editing it. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about that when you are an amateur podcaster. Anyways, so this is going to lead back in, and I have just asked Zach what his biggest surprise of the early season is. So uh, this was not a break, but we'll go back to the show. Thanks. Having lost David Johnson and Allen Robinson. Right. Uh, I didn't expect that, so I'm, I'm pleased with my production so far. That's probably my biggest surprise, honestly. Okay. Um, I would say my biggest surprise is also Asher. Uh, now it <clears throat> has been, I think none of the top teams 
besides Asher surprised me. Um, I think the disparity between so far what, in, in my opinion, has been Oklahoma City has been a better division so far. Yeah. Um, that surprised me. I did think that Tulsa overall had better drafts than Oklahoma City did. Uh, so I would say the, you know, that kind of outcome between the divisions is has been surprising to me. But it's all going to come out in the wash. I think uh, we'll start interleague play in the next couple weeks. Two weeks, I think. Yep, and I so guess the third week from this week. Right, and so we'll maybe get some more answers then. Uh, but yeah, so I would say Asher's resurgence uh, and and the division between Oklahoma City and Tulsa have been pretty surprising to me. So. Um, all right, we're going to jump into we've had one trade this year, which is, you know, frankly, I'm kind of disappointed. So uh, people... It's not it. from lack of effort. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll leave Zach to detail the effort that he's <laughs> been putting in to make the trades happen. Um, but so, Zach, we've kind of run us through the trade that's gone down, and we'll we'll do a little yeah, bit of Yeah, so there's only been one trade so far, and it was between myself and Austin Keithley. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned a time or two so far... In the first half of that first game, uh, I lost both David Johnson and Allen Robinson back-to-back. And so because of that, I had to do whatever I could to make some moves to kind of stabilize my roster. Make moves. Uh, because it, it, was, it was looking pretty tough, pretty, uh, pretty scary. So Keithley had um, Keithley had a good draft, and he had um, he had some guys on his on his bench that were starter worthy players that he didn't have room for, uh, and he felt he was missing uh, one more elite wide receiver. Okay. So the trade was that um, he threw Randall Cobb and Dalvin Cook and Jamal Charles, Ooh. who is a back who is the handcuff to C J Anderson, Anderson that I have. Right. To me, and I returned uh, David Johnson and Martavis Bryant and Matt Forte. So I, I, I do think this trade makes sense for both sides. I needed stability, which I'm getting with Dalvin Cook, and if I can keep Randall Cobb on the field, uh, he having someone like Aaron Rodgers throwing in the ball is a big deal. And, and I needed C.J. Anderson's handcuff because C.J. has not proven to be a stalwart of uh, health in the past. Sure, right. Now, on the other foot, uh, Keithley needed somebody that could, that could have some big games, and that's what Martavis Bryant gives you. Totally. Um, now, he may give you 35, or he may give you five. Just <laughs> this depending this on is his production this year, so he's got three. 20 and 5. Yeah. So um, with my roster makeup, prior to the injuries, he's the perfect guy to have with my roster. Sure. Now with that change, uh, I couldn't have someone as inconsistent as Martavis. Right. Uh, but Keith Lee can, can house his inconsistency and still be fine. Right. Uh, as well as the fact that Keith Lee has um, the hope that DJ will be back for a playoff run. And so him housing DJ – until the playoffs roll around, hopefully to get a game or two out of him uh, to make a run of the cup is uh, something that Keith Lee was uh, very enticed by. Yeah. Well, I like the trade, honestly. I thought that I didn't necessarily think there was a clear – I didn't necessarily think there was a clear winner or loser. I mean, I think that if Keith Lee – if Keith Lee can make it to the playoffs, which right now he's doing well and, and presumably that's – he's on track for that 
then David Johnson's a great player to have because the chance that he comes back before the playoffs is good. And, dude, if you roll into the playoffs and all of a sudden you're, you've got Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, and a presumably healthy David Johnson, you've got a good chance. You know, so I like the risk uh, there, and I, I think that was a good. I think that was a good move. I think he did a really nice job with that trade. The uh, thing that I would like to see is he needs a third wide receiver, uh, or excuse me, a fourth wide receiver. Um, JJ Nelson is just too up and down to really get it done, and so I like the trade for Martavis Bryant. Uh, he picked up somebody that I thought about taking on waivers the other day, Rashard Higgins, but. Ultimately, I decided against it, and um, so we'll see how Higgins develops. But uh, I would say Keith Lee has the ingredients that, that could be primed for a pretty good run, and that was overall I thought it was a good trade for for him. Uh, I also liked the trade for you, and I think that uh, at the end of the day, both teams got better, which is the point of trading, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean we don't even have a veto system for whoever is you know, out there thinking that, but... I think that it was a competent, good trade for both people. I think that there was risk more on Keith Lee's side, in my opinion. But uh, like you said, he used somebody that could kind of accommodate that risk. Right. And and uh, so if Randall Cobb's healthy, then you know I think that was a great trade. And I like that you're starting Charles Clay. He didn't have a problem. He wasn't involved in this trade. But I like Charles Clay a lot. Yeah. So God, they got to find somebody to throw the ball to in Buffalo. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right, so we're uh, that's kind of our recap for uh, the first couple weeks. That's our run through this uh, the standings and the trades. We're going to take a break and come back and chat just for a little bit about OSU football and basketball. Most presumably, anybody listening to this podcast has heard that there's been some relatively big news that's broken on both of those fronts. And so we're going to give a little recap about that. Um, but otherwise, we're going to try and keep this podcast under 45 minutes. So those of you with shorter attention spans can pay attention and take in the whole thing. We'll be back after the break. Thanks. So I don't think anybody actually cares about this. Um, and I get it. But I am super bummed about what's been going on with OSU and OSU basketball. and. You know, growing up as a kid, going to OSU basketball is my favorite OSU sport, and there's really not a close second. Uh, obviously, I love football, but OSU basketball has always been. I've got these great memories as a kid. Would go up with my dad to watch the games, and I just, you know, it's just like these nights that stand out were like these cold, you know, January, February nights where he and I would just go up and OSU play Colorado or Texas A&M or you know play. My parents always went to Bedlam and KU, but yeah, I get to go to all the other ones. and um, It's just such a bummer, and it's such a bummer to see what the program has become. And I have great fear what's go, what the next few years are going to be like because of what's happened with the coach. And uh, Zach and I are going to dive into that in just a second. But um, I don't know. It's just a bummer. It just makes me really sad. So sorry for that depressing break. Back to the show. <laughs> All right, we are back. We're going to, last segments, we're going to divert a little bit. We've uh, given a recap of the standings and of the trades and of our biggest surprises and perhaps non surprises of the start of the fantasy football season. Uh, we're going to dive in Oklahoma State, which is obviously very near and dear to 
pretty much everybody in this league, as far as I understand it anyways, has except had for Jeff. Yeah, except for me, except for me, Boomer. Um, has had a pretty interesting week. Uh, really, it's the last four days. So it really all started with the TCU game on uh, yeah on Saturday. Uh, Pokes, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows that the Pokes lost. If you didn't, then I'm shocked you're listening to this podcast. Pokes lost 44 to 31. It was a game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It was a game up until the end. Uh, TCU had third and four from the Poke. You know, probably 46 yard line. Uh, with about two minutes left in the game, and if the Pokes stopped and the Pokes were going to get the ball back, and I do believe if the Pokes had gotten the ball back, we would have won. Yeah. Um, but TC ran a little counter run. Our dudes collapsed in, and uh, Darius, whatever his name is, took it to the house, and uh, Pokes lost. I was watching this game in San Diego. My cousin was getting married, and it seemed to me that the first quarter, so they get the ball, they have about a five-minute drive, they should have scored like a seven minute drive. It was it was a seven minute drive. They should have scored a touchdown. Their guy dropped the ball. They kicked a field goal. I thought to myself, man, that was a bummer. We could not get off the field. Yeah. The defense gave up a couple third downs, as that's what we do. And the next, you know, we get the ball, we get three and out. They get the ball again, and that was the possession where um, Rodarius Williams had two of the dumbest. I mean, so first he gets a holding before the punter kicks the ball, which is kind of mystical and then second if he didn't get the holding what he then did was probably make one of the dumbest plays i've ever seen a football player make in i my was entire life. I, I could not believe what i had just seen and i frankly think that so all of you saw it but it was the play where tc punted the ball and their dudes were like all around the ball to down it and all of a sudden rodarius williams jumps in from nowhere to try and like I don't know, clear them out of the way. And he touches the ball. He didn't even, like, try and pick up the ball. And clear them out of the way, I guess. Uh, Not that anybody could speak to what he was thinking there. Anyways, touches the ball. There's this big dispute. The refs were like, well, the TCU touched it first, so it was a dead ball. But it doesn't matter because he also had a holding on that play. So TCU gets the ball. It's basically a turnover. And, frankly, my opinion is that that play was so dumb and – the combination of that play plus the fact that the, I think our defense was a little bit shook yeah. really messed with our team. Yeah. And I think that threw a lot of them off because the rest of that game was one of the worst and strangest games it was I've ever seen game. OSU play. And I was talking Monday. to one of my TCU buddies afterwards, and he text, he said, man, that was one of the weirdest games I've ever watched. It was, yeah, it, it was, was bizarre. Um, you know, of course, at the end of the game, that stupid receiver pass that was called. I know. Just Let's then. we're cruising down the field, down thirteen with like five minutes left. Their defense is gassed. We get down inside the red zone. Let's have our fourth best receiver throw the ball to our fifth best receiver <laughs> and see if that works. Let's yeah. take the ball out of our Heisman candidate's hands and not throw it to the best receiver in the country. Yeah. And oh, I mean it was just bad. I mean, no, at no. the end of the day, we had four turnovers. Right. They fumbled it three times and got all three of them back. Right. There was a call that led to a TCU touchdown that was a clear fumble. Right. That was ruled against us. Right. Um, and they got the touchdown, which I thought was remarkably bad. Bogosity. Um, you know, all those things against a top 15 team. And here you are. Just kind of add uh, up. You yeah. know, I, I think that you have all of those mistakes. 
you have the possession um, numbers skewed the way that they were. Right. All of those things went wrong, and we had a chance to win it right there at the end. Right. I mean, um, I think that, so. and this is me trying. This is me trying to be objective and recognize that I am a huge fan. Uh, I think that we have a better football team. I think we are more talented. Yeah. Uh, I think we lost that game. I mean, TCU, right. I think they're going to go on. I, I frankly think they're going to lose to OU. Yeah, I think I they're see. going to lose to West Virginia. I don't think that they're, like, that good. I don't know if OSU's that good, but what I do know is that we they did. less mistakes, and they had a couple things go their way, and that's what you have to have happen. Right. And, uh, you know, so the season's not lost. What I have decided, this might be kind of a controversial take. I don't know. Um, I was watching. I was watching a little bit of the uh, Clemson game, and obviously, you know, people were talking a little bit about that Alabama Vanderbilt game because Vanderbilt's had a good start to the season. And they beat Kansas State. Alabama won fifty-nine to nothing. I have decided to revise my expectations for OSU football. My expectations are this, or my my desires are this. I want that OSU is a legitimate competitor for the Big 12 title every three years. I do not have any national expectations for OSU because when I look at those Alabama teams and those Clemson teams, we are never going to beat them. I mean, it is TCU's defense might be the best in the Big 12. It's not even close to as good as those defenses are. Yeah. And the fact that it's just it's just not going to happen. It's yeah. I mean those dudes they have not only do they have dudes but they have dudes that back up the dudes and then they have dudes on top of that. Yeah. And so, you know, if we can win the Big Twelve, awesome. If we make it to the playoff, you know, fantastic. But really, winning the Big Twelve to me is I think that would be awesome. So that's I what think I think. That's very fair. I think it's fair. Uh, so, anyways, Pokes play this week uh, tonight. Excuse me, Saturday night at Texas Tech. Uh, not an easy game. Makes me nervous. Uh, no one wants to play in Lubbock at night. And Texas Tech is maybe not that bad. They're four zero. So uh, we'll see. Pokes have historically played really well uh, after a loss, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we'll see. It's the t- it's a tough environment. It would be a massive W if we can walk out of there they with a the win. They can throw it, and we didn't look that great against the pass this last week. Exactly right. So, uh, and then on to the other bit of news. Uh, this is a little bit earlier than college basketball is used to being in the news itself, but presumably most people have heard that college basketball is in the middle of what some people are saying is the biggest scandal that the sport has ever seen and will ever see. Um, the brief rundown is that the FBI uh, filed or the FBI did an investigation and they turned over the findings of their investigation to the prosecutor's office in New York City. The prosecutors in New York City brought charges against uh, Adidas executives, sports agents, and most notably uh, four assistant basketball coaches, one of which was Lamont Evans. He was an assistant at OSU. I say was because it is a almost a guarantee that he's going to be fired. And um, anyways... Jailed. Yeah, and well, he's definitely going to jail. Uh, he's, you know, the question to me, in my opinion, the question now is how long is he going to jail, not is he going to jail at all. Um, and the fallout, as far as the effect on OSU, is still be is still to be determined. Um, I understand that, you know, it's kind of up in the air what coaches knew when and when they knew it. It's impossible to speculate. I don't know anything about it. I don't know uh, anybody that does know anything about it, but... From a standpoint of logic, 
the allegations against OSU's assistant coach happened while they were at OSU. There's not, in my opinion, any way OSU gets away from this. I mean, we're going to be punished by the NCAA. The question is, what is the, the extent of the punishment going to be? And um, just a quick rundown of the charges, basically, the allegations against the OSU coach are that he solicited and received bribes from these player from these agents, and in exchange for those bribes, he set up meetings between current OSU players and those agents, which did happen. Uh, and that is a number of things, one of which is solicitation of bribes by a federal official. Uh, the other is the honest services charge, which is a little too, it's just kind of weird, too much for this podcast. Um, but suffice to say, he's in a lot of trouble, and I think he put OSU in a lot of trouble too. So Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's going to end up just gutting the entire program. I think so it is too. I think, uh, I think Boynton's going to be gone. I think pretty much everyone on staff is going to be gone. Um, you know, I don't know if it'll go all the way down to somebody <clears throat> like K-Page, who's, you know, head of player development. Right. I don't know. Maybe. But it appears that there are going to be some sanctions coming down and that we're going to have a new coach, new coaching staff, no recruits, <laughs> and a very no, bad basketball team. No recruits. Team. So uh, certainly not ideal. I was telling Zach earlier this week that I – it's actually earlier today – that I think OSU basketball – in the next two years is going to be uh, kind of like TCU basketball was when they basically joined the Big 12, which was, I mean, utter garbage. I mean, they were absolutely terrible. And um, they turned the corner in the last, like last year, they were okay. But, I mean, before that, they were one of the worst basketball teams that the Big 12 has ever fielded. And I think that that's going to happen to OSU, regardless of the NCAA sanctions. And I just think it's going to have the effect on the recruits guys that are coming in aren't going to be coming anymore yep. star players aren't going to be playing this year it's all bad and all bad but there is good news in the state of oklahoma on the basketball front Ooh, there is good news yeah tell me more tell me more uh as i was driving to stillwater on saturday news broke that and mind you this was about 12 hours after the news broke that Melo was considering waiving his no trade clause to Oklahoma City. Right. <clears throat> I think there was a deal in place. I think and they were just too. waiting for Carmelo to say okay to. I it. agree. I agree. Uh, but Carmelo Anthony is now a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Official. They had Official. Media day. So we traded in this canter. Sad face. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Doug McDermott in the second round pick. Absolute steal. I've I've heard some folks say that. It's going to make the team worse, or it's not worth the... That's all a bunch of crap. You are just crazy if you think that Sam Presti should not have made that deal. The people... And I'm, I'm hesitant to just come out and be like, analytics people are dumb. Because there's value in analytics, but sure. I think you have to measure it against also what you can see with your own eyeballs. And the fact of the matter is people coming out and saying that this is dumb or the Thunder shouldn't have done this or that like, you know, oh, the Thunder will be, a, you know, a competent four seed mm-hmm. in the West. I'm like, all right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your input, but, you know, th- what I've noticed is that the biggest thing that people say is, well, who are the Thunder going to have on their bench? You know what the people said about the Warriors last year? People who are grasping at anything right. to attack the Warriors about, they were saying, I'm not saying the Thunder are going to be the Warriors. What I am saying is that... 
if people don't have a reason to go out for a team and they're looking for something, they'll be like, well, I'm not sure who's going to be on that second unit. Dude, look at the team that's going to be starting. I mean, who's going to be on the second unit? Carmelo Anthony. I know, that's right. You're exactly right. And uh, just. I think the role players are going to be fine. Uh, I think Alex Abrinas is going to play well. I'm super excited to watch his development. Uh, Raymond Felton's a very competent backup point guard. Totally. Patrick Patterson might be the best backup four in the league. Right. Um, and and Jeremy Kanan. Grant is very. What'd you say? And we got Isaiah Kanan. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and and I like Jeremy Grant a lot. I do and too. so I do there's too. a lot of versatility, a lot of athleticism. Uh, it's going to be fun, and they're going to stagger those guys. So right. you're never outside of a blowout or a day that they're resting someone. You're not going to see significant time played where Carmelo and PG and Russ are all on the bench. It's right. just not going to happen. <clears throat> and the good thing about this team now, and it's been said by many other people, is that now Billy Donovan can play his five best players at the same time. Right. You can play them all together. Beforehand, there had to be some kind of weird scenario when you were playing Ennis and uh, Stephen Adams on the same right. uh, at the same time, <clears throat> and you don't have to worry about that now. Right. But did you – two things – did you see Stephen Adams' response when they asked about Ennis Kanter being traded? No, what did he say? So they said, you know, Stephen, how do you feel now, you know, after losing somebody as close to you like Ennis? And he just looks at the gun, raises his hand, and says, he's not dead, mate. Hey, he's not dead, mate. He's not dead, mate. <laughs> he just moved down the street. And so it's like, we opened with him. I'll see him in three weeks. That's hilarious. But the best was when Eric, I think it was Eric Horn, uh-huh. asked Carmelo Anthony about uh, what his thoughts were of potentially coming off the bench. Yeah. And he says, who, me? <laughs> and he just, he laughs for about 30 seconds straight. And you just hear him going to Trump says, hey, Pete, they say I got to come off the bench. <laughs> and just dying laughing. It was so, so funny. That's awesome. And then I, I, if it was Eric Hornet, whoever it was, yeah. just kind of slowly tucked his tail and back down the way. He just felt like such an idiot. Um I some people are annoyed with like the arrogancy that comes with um, is arrogancy a word? The arrogance that comes with someone like Carmelo, but that's just how those guys were wired, man. Totally, like man. they are not, and that's why I think that du- that D Wade was never coming to Oklahoma City because he was going to have to come to terms with the fact that Andre Robertson was going to start over him, right? I and his you. his ego and his competitiveness and. All of those things that D Wade is was was not going to let that happen. There's no way, dude. That is exactly why people say, you know, <clears throat> well, when it comes to trying to build a roster, and you have a player who deserves a max salary, people say, well, you know, isn't it more important to build a team that can win a championship to have the max salary? And the truth of the matter is, is that. It matters, and it's totally fine that it should. You know, these dudes are trying to max out what they can earn. It matters so much to these guys to be like, I'm a max player. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's it's the – I mean, and it's, call it's it It's not ego. about the money. It's just that they can say that I'm, I'm a max I'm a max guy. player. Right. You're exactly right. And so I, I totally agree with you. And, uh, yeah. And, honestly, I was so weird about the whole D-Wade thing. I just was like, yeah. if he yeah, comes, whatever. cool. But it seemed to me anyways – that he was like a kind of a locker room issue in Chicago. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's weird. I like D-Wade. However, uh, I do want to make the announcement uh, that if we plan to keep Paul George around in Oklahoma City, 
Uh, all of you fishermen, whenever you catch a big fish somewhere, bring it back to the city and put it in one of the ponds around Paul George's house. Mm-hmm. That dude loves to fish. Make that dude. And he's think. catching some hogs. Make that dude. And think he wants that. to stay at the fisher here. So be sure you're stocking those ponds. I was about to say they need to keep a, they need to keep filling up Lake Hefner with just some absolute <laughs> like hog mollies. You know what I mean? So, anyways, uh, all right. So that was episode. Uh, that was episode three. We didn't manage to keep it under forty-five minutes, but uh, we did talk about fantasy football in forty-five minutes. So I'd say that's progress. Uh, we might be back next week. We might be back in a couple weeks. It'll depend on the schedule. But uh, thanks for listening. As usual, if you have any questions or comments or criticisms, or you want to be on the pod, let Zach or I know. Zach, any final thoughts? Uh, no. Go, folks. Let's play well on Saturday. And uh, thanks for listening. Yep. I'm Jeff. I'm Zach. And that was Pod08. Thanks. See ya. I'm on need someone to help me. I'm on a need somebody's I'm on a need someone to hold me down. I'm on a need someone to care. I'm on a rise and shake my body. I start pulling out my hair. I'm on a cover myself with the ashes of you. And nobody's gonna give a damn. Son of a bitch! Crawling all over me Son of a bitch